All right. Hey, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And as you do that, I want to, we, we need to receive an offering too. So as you're, you're turning, then we get ready for an offering. Father, God, as we sang in worship, we need you. Father, uh, we can't do this life on our own. And um, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us today, God. I pray that we, we would each know your presence. We'd know your power. God, we would know your love and your grace and your forgiveness, Father, more than we have in the past. God, let your mercies, we thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning. God, that our sins are forgiven when we confess them to you, God. Father, as we get into a time of word and as we we receive an offering in just a moment too, Father, we just pray your continued blessing upon us, God. We desire to see um, the lost saved, God, the Christians built up and turned into disciples, Father. God, we want to see your kingdom come and establish, Lord, in this place. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah, so we'll, we'll go ahead and, and, and receive an offering here. And if, if, the, if the bag gets past you too quickly, the, the offering boxes are on the back wall also. You can also give online, text to give, give online if you miss it. In fact, Shannon, we need to we need to, to give, so if you want to do that. Let's get into the Word as the ushers come and receive an offering, and we'll just keep getting into the Word. Amen. As the offering goes by, I just want to... So, so we've been in the book of Acts, and, you know, it's... We're, we're, we're watching the church grow. This, I'm excited about this, this chapter because it's kind of uh, a couple different things happening in it. We're going to begin to see the persecution of the church... Uh, I think we're seeing persecution of our values in the world today. You know, it's, it's interesting to see the things that are being maybe stripped away in this nation. But we have to keep our eye uh, on God because God is not a Christian God. Um, you know, we, we're under a little bit of persecution, and I think it'll get stronger in this nation. But things, people in other nations have been persecuted much more in times past. So we need to keep our focus on God. Obama said something this week, and this isn't a political thing. Unfortunately, I th- felt like he got uh, flack from it uh, from the right side when he said, you know, the, it doesn't line up all of the fear, doom, and gloom stuff for a lot of people. I actually agree with that. Most people wake up in the morning, they walk out of their house, the birds are chirping, as he said in his little statement. They get in their car, they drive to work, they come home, they take their kids to a baseball game. They're, li- they're, they're not threatened uh, in, in fear to be shot on the way. Um, life, for most of us, really is kind of going on. Is there turmoil in the world? Absolutely. Is there danger in the world? Absolutely. But church, we need to, to get our eyes on the Lord and, and what he wants to do in our life and not be governed by fear. And this is part of the message. Um, it's going to be part of the message this morning because we have to continue to live in this world. And persecution probably will come. In fact, the Bible promised us that it will. If this is persecution, we're still doing pretty darn good. You know, I mean, we, we, we all got up. Most of us, I don't think anyone walked here this morning. You know, that's like, we drove. We, we drove. Well, David, okay, David walked. <laughs> we, all, we all jumped in a car. I, I get, this is really fun. People are going, wow, the church is just really growing because the parking lot is packed. 
And it is. There's, I mean, there's, we have a lot of parking out there and the dirt and all over, and there's always cars in there. It's because most of us come alone. We're not even carpooling. Right? I mean, we, we are still a very blessed people. Um, many of us, uh, you know, if, you, if you're married or even if you're not, you might even have two cars at home, uh, multiple cars. We have homes. Now, I'm not saying everything is rosy for everyone, but we're still a very blessed people. Persecution could come. But I, we need to keep looking to the Lord to be our source, not the elections, not the government. Uh, we just need to look, look to him and understand the body of Christ is what he's put us into to walk and, and go through the tough times. This is going to come back in the message in a minute. So Acts chapter 8. We see, and we're going to try to, I'm going to try to get through the whole chapter 8. And so we're going to hit a couple things real quick, slow down a few times. Um, and so Acts chapter 7 was Stephen, the, the deacon, if you will, who uh, preached, the, preached his message with boldness, and he was, he was martyred for his faith. Martyred for his faith was uh, Stephen chapter 7. Chapter 8, verse 1 starts off with this. Now Saul was consenting to his death, to Stephen's death. Saul is Paul. For those who, who are, this is, you're still new to this, Saul is going to become Paul pretty soon. He's going to get converted. He's going to see, see Christ and have a conversion moment. But for now, Saul is the persecutor of the church. And it says, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And I thought about that. I went, wow, that's really an interesting thing. At that time, Stephen's martyrdom sets off persecution across the church. Let me read a little bit further to understand what, how, bad, how much this is. Persecution rose against the church was at, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Okay, his, let's get it all together, right? Pentecost, 3,000 people get saved. Shortly after, more thousands of people get saved. The church in Jerusalem is multiple, multiple thousands of people already. Um, th- there's, it's been growing for a time. It, it could be as, as much as 10, 15,000 people, Christians in Jerusalem, by the time Stephen is martyred for his faith. And when, when Stephen is martyred, a great persecution starts, and the church is scattered. Now, if you, if you think on the, on the map, you've got, you've got um, Jerusalem, which is in Judea, and then Samaria above that, and then Galilee. And so it says that the church, which was in Jerusalem, which is in Judea, scattered out of Jerusalem all through Judea and up into Samaria also. And so why? Because of persecution. The apostles stay in Jerusalem. They're, they're the pillar of the church. People are looking to them for guidance and wisdom. But persecution comes up. And people are afraid of their lives. You know, honestly, I, I don't wake up. I haven't woken up any time this year and, and been af- afraid for my life. You know, walk out the door and say, oh my gosh, somebody might arrest me and kill me because I'm a Christian. You know, and so, so there's a, a persecution beginning to happen. And it says in verse 3, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Some of your versions say he was destroying the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. That's pretty harsh. I know a lot of people who go to prison, but it's usually not because they're Christians. It's because they made some dumb mistakes. Amen? So, so Saul is, is wreaking havoc. The church gets, um, gets persecuted. And it was in this one day. And I was thinking about that. How many days in history have been life 
change, not just life-changing, world-changing days. And there's been a lot of them, obviously. But I'm talking about maybe um, a, a day that pretty quickly people knew. Jesus, when he was born, it changed the world, but it didn't change it quickly. It took a little bit of time to change. Now today, we, it changed so much that we, we separated with A.D. and B.C. But I just want to give a couple, a couple of people and a couple things and think about the changes that happened because of something they did. Um, these aren't in any, any order. I just threw some names down. Louis Pasteur, germ theory. He came up with the theory that that sickness was caused by germs and that revolutionized medicine. And people, be, we, we actually began to find ways to, you know, heal people from bacteria and things like that. December 17th, 1903. Anyone know that date, history buffs? The Wright brothers. The Wright brothers. Talk about a day that changed the world. They sustained flight. People have been trying to do it, and they sustained flight. I've, you know, I just went to, to Mexico. I'm glad I didn't have to drive. It was a three-and-a-half-hour flight. It's a 20-hour drive through some you know, tough areas. December 7, October 29th, 1929. Huh? St- stock market crash, yeah. Black Tuesday, right? Black Thursday. It was Thursday. I thought it was Tuesday. Um, that changed the world. That one day and immediate, bang. You, you know, th- events that changed the world. Uh, Roger Bannister, anyone? Four-minute mile. Up until then, they just decided it was impossible that man could not run and beat a four-minute mile. Well, did it change the world? I don't know, but it was something that happened that immediately after he did it, immediately people started doing it. Interesting. July 20th, 1969. The man on the moon. The man on the moon. Um, If anyone knows this name in here, I will be very impressed because I didn't know it until I looked it up. Sir Tim Berners. (sighs) World Wide Web. He invented... By by the way, it it wasn't Gore. It it wasn't Al Gore. He invented not just the term, he invented the World Wide Web. People were connecting via telephone lines and stuff, so there was communication, but he actually was the one who came up with the whole idea of having a World Wide Web. HTTP protocol was his, HTML protocol was his, and he, he revolutionized. I, almost everyone in this room now is on, online and doing things. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's in their phone. Amazing. Now, we didn't even know his name. He's, a, he's an English guy from Britain. Um, so so that, that revolutionized the world. F- not for our country, April 6, 1994, was a day that we've all heard about. And if you were from Africa and knew about Rwanda, you would know. April 6, in one day, a plane was shot down carrying the president of Rwanda. It was blamed upon the Tutsis, and the Hutus killed 800,000 people in 100 days. 800,000 people were slaughtered. It was a geno- the genocide. If you want to see a, a movie about it, it's very heavy. Hotel Rwanda does a great job explaining it. Um, talk about a day that, that, that was 11% of the population of the entire nation died in 100 days. Put that in perspective, in any given year in the United States, the death rate in our country is 0.8%. 0.8%. And 11% died in 100 days. Whew. 
That changed the nation. In addition to that, after that, uh, a couple million people left the country because of all of that. So it was, a, it was an incredibly horrific time in that country. Obviously, this next one, we know that it changed things the day it happened, September 11th, 2001. The world will never be the same because of that one day. Of course, of course, the World War II, there, you know, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. There's a lot of events that in one day changed everything, in- including for us, September 11, 2001, in a lot of ways, probably one of the big ways, the Patriot Act. And there's still a lot of debate, like, what, what really happened? Um, so in the church, so, so we can look back in history, and there's a lot of other dates where one day something happened, and it changed the history of the world for the church it was Stephen's death. That day, persecution began to break out, and it was like it was okay to, to have sport and killing and locking up the Christians. And so, what a persecution. They start scattering. The apostles stay. And, and what are we going to do? What would we do? This is a conversation all the time. What would we do if, you know, and, and pick it, if an EMP happened or if they Ill- made Christianity illegal or name, name the things that could happen if a super volcano goes off and, and we, we have these things. What will we do? Where will you find us if, if, if this turned into a, a communist um, country like China and the church had to go underground? What would we do? Well, what did they do? They scattered, but they didn't hide. Many of them, there, I'm sure there were some that were hiding, but many of them went to the places, and it says this, and um, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Remember Samaria is that place that, Christi- that Jews weren't supposed to go? But now it's like we're going and we're going to preach Christ to them. Multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And I want you, if you circle things, if you highlight things in your Bible, I want you to highlight this, circle it. You can put exclamation points on it. It's not sacrilegious to do that to your Bible. I encourage you to make notes in your Bible. It helps you to remember. And verse 8 says this, and there was great joy in that city the preaching of the gospel is supposed to bring joy to people our christian life is supposed to bring joy to to people's lives it should not be burdensome it should not be uh, full of fear and, and anger and and all of these things but the preaching of the gospel that brought joy why because the people who heard the gospel the first time were set free They had hope, hope of eternal life. Even in the midst of persecution, in the midst of troubles, they had joy because they understood that that Christ was was their Savior, that they were going to be free from sin and that they had a hope. We get our eyes off of heaven so often that we are just discouraged and in fear and depressed, and that's not the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live in joy and bringing the message of hope to the world around us even in the midst of persecution. In the midst of persecution. We're not supposed to be just the Christians that when we have a great worship service or go to a conference, we come back and we're excited and then we're, then we're ready to talk about Jesus. We should be those who, are, our hope is built up in Jesus all the time so much that we can preach his gospel and that it would bring joy to people. Amen? I want to I go to Matthew um, 24. Matthew 24. This story is both in Matthew 24 and Luke 12, if you're taking notes. So Philip went, and others preached the gospel as they went to. 
how were they ready? Now, I want we'll, to, real quick, let's get a little background as you're flipping to Matthew 24. This Philip is not the apostle. This is Philip the evangelist. This is Philip the deacon from, from Acts chapter 6. Um, this, is, this is one of the seven who was picked to, to serve tables, to serve the food. And so he is just like Stephen. He was a man full of faith and wisdom. And now we begin to see his ministry pick up. Now, um, he's talked about a number of times. Um, Acts chapter 6, verse 5 is where he's introduced. All of chapter 8 is about Philip. And then Acts chapter 21, verse 8, it talks about Paul staying in the house of Philip the Evangelist. And so this is Philip the Evangelist. And he is preaching and he is sharing and he is using his gift. And his gift is evangelism specifically. So, but he was ready. So was so was Stephen. Stephen was ready. He was full of God. He was full of the word of God. And they were ready all the time. In Matthew chapter 24 and in Luke 12, but we're going to read Matthew 24, it's, it's all talking about the, the end, the coming of the Son of Man, the great tribulation. And so he's talking to his disciples. And he's, he's going through this big uh, process of understanding. And he starts talking about what you're talking about amongst each other often. I see it on, uh, I hear it in the conversations. I even see it online. It's the signs and the times of the end of age. In verse 4, Jesus says to his disciples, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. We're hearing of wars and rumors of wars. We're also hearing of wars and rumors of wars in our own nation. Just because they're not, it's not between two nations doesn't mean it's a war. You know, unfortunately, a race war is beginning to happen again in this nation. We're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. Who heard about uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a rumor that, that all of these people were going to be shooting shooting people at all these rallies all over the nation and, and, it, and it didn't happen. There's a lot of rumors. So we're living in this. He says, but these things must come to pass. The end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. By the way, in case you haven't figured it out, the media wants to scare you. Yesterday, you know, I went to weather, weather.com and one of the, just all over the thing, super volcano not if it will erupt, when it will erupt, right? I mean, just huge. Three quarters of the screen was the super volcano is going to wipe out the earth. Exactly. You know, the media, they don't, they just, they just want clicks. They just want advertising dollars. They're, they're out there to really, uh, to scare us because fear raises uh, ratings. <laughs> so we need to keep our eyes on the right places. Even when these things are happening, these are just the beginning of sorrows. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my, for my name's sake. I tell you, I feel like this is coming. Christians are becoming, um, at least for now, just a less liked group of people because we're so uh, intolerant of them. You know, they just can't tolerate us because we're intolerant. <sighs> And then many will be offended, yeah, that's happening, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 
but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. It continues to go on there, talking about the Son of Man. Flip over with me to uh, verse... Um, this is only part of it, and I, and I wrote down the wrong, in the wrong passage. In, in one of these, and I'm not going to look for it, uh, the, the Lord also then begins to talk about the servants, and he said that he gave out the minus to the different people. And, and he says something to them. And he says, in the King James Version, I like it the best, it says, occupy until I come. Some of your versions say, say um, uh, do business. You know, use the money wisely. There was no talk of money in, the, in, the, in that, in that ver- version, in, in the original. It was all about occupy. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm talking about Luke 19. Luke 19, 13 is where, where I'm talking about. I just missed it on my notes. And so, so the word there is, is an imperative in the Greek, and it was simply, be busy, occupy, do something until I come. Talking about the same thing, the end is coming, what should you do? He's given you talents, he's given you something, now get busy. And that's what, that's what uh, Philip is doing in Acts chapter 8, that's what Stephen was doing, that's what the call to all of us is, is not to be afraid but to get busy, to be busy, using your gifts to expand the kingdom of God. Jesus, the, the, the master's rebuke came back to the He says, hey, you had 10, he's going to 10 more, you did five, you did five, and you did one, you did nothing with it. I'm going to take it away. Why? Because you did not invest, you did nothing with the talent that I gave you to expand my kingdom. God wants us to be busy expanding the kingdom of God, not living in fear. He wants us to be ready but not fearful. Ready but not fearful. That means some of us need to turn off our TVs. Serious. Stop watching the news in the morning and at night and at noon. Stop reading the posts because it's, it's generating fear, not courage. We need to be ready to serve God at all the time and, and stop being uh, down, you know, pressed down so much because of this fear. The, the church in Acts chapter 8, persecution, and yet the church continued to grow. Let's continue on and see, see what's happening here. Um, remember that, that if we're in fear, you know, before I get on, if we're in fear and the whole purpose of our preaching is coming out of fear and worry and fret, do you think people will find joy in the gospel? Because we're preaching it out of fear. But if we ourselves understand who our God is and what he's done for us and that this isn't our home, when we preach the gospel, and I don't mean you have to go down to the, the corner in the village and stand on a box and preach, but when you share, and we're going to find out even another way Philip did in a minute, when you sh- preach the gospel, when you talk about the good news, gospel means good news. When you talk about the good news, it should bring joy to them, and it's only going to bring joy to them if it's bringing joy to you. If it's not bringing joy to you, we need to press back into God. Say, God, this is the, this is the good news of salvation. Thank you very much, Julie. Oh, I'm not as righteous as David. I'm not going to pour it out. Um, and so, so that needs to be stirred up in heart. That's why I want us to, to highlight that. And, and, and this is a personal thing. This is an accusation. This is, this is something that even I understand. I get under the weight 
of the news in this thing. And I'm tired of it. I want to get out from that and keep my eyes focused on God. He's the author and finisher of my faith. He knows the plans he has for me, to prosper me, to give me a hope and a future. Those are good things. That's the news that we're preaching. And so Philip is doing this. The other, uh, the other uh, apostles are, the other Christians. The, the word of God is now spreading to Samaria all throughout Judea and it's going somewhere else really fast because of one day. Look at what happens. Um, this next section is there was a certain man called Simon. So Simon's in Samaria and he's doing all these magic things and, and people are following him and, and he's, he's great. Um, Philip comes into town and he begins to preach the gospel. People begin to get saved and delivered, cast out demons, and the people take their focus off of Simon the sorcerer and begin to put it onto God and Philip. And, and, and Philip uh, calls the apostles. The apostles come and they preach it. And all these people have gotten saved and the apostles come from Jerusalem and say, hey, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And they go, you know, we haven't heard about the Holy Spirit, so they pray for them. And, and the, the new Christians in Samaria get filled with the Holy Spirit. And Simon goes, ooh, power, prestige. I want to be part of the worship team. Oh, I'm sorry, was that out loud? You know, pe- people sometimes, you know, they, they see ministry, they see these things happening, and, and like Simon the sorcerer, they go, oh, I want to be part of that. And so what does Simon do? He goes, I want this power of prestige. And he says, I'll give you money if you give me the power so that I can lay hands on people so they get the Holy Spirit too. Well, that's, I mean, like really, really blatant. We go, we had never do that. But what is, it, what is it that you might do for the power and the prestige? See, and, and he says, your money perish with you because your heart is not in it. We need to make sure our heart's always right, for, and we need to be serving for the right reasons. Um, and it's not that, that you won't ever receive glory. It's, it's that you shouldn't be seeking to receive glory. Some of the things you do, people are going to notice. I mean, if, if somebody came in and... Uh, and purchased, you know, and maybe built us a new sanctuary and a new building, people would probably take notice of that and go, wow, thank you very much, and you would receive a little bit of glory. And that's okay, as long as that wasn't why you did it. See, Simon's heart, it wasn't that he, he, he wanted the prestige and the power. It wasn't that he's like, wow, I see that the Holy Spirit will give people power over the enemy, and I want to be able to, to, to help, you know, spread that with God. Um, and so, so that's, that's kind of that little section in there. I, I went really fast because I want to go to the next section in there. So that's Acts uh, 8, 9 through, through 14. Um, actually, even further than that. All the way down uh, through 23. So I really just kind of skipped that. Go ahead and read that. It's kind of fun. But I want to focus in on this next, next part in verse uh, 26. So the gospel's being preached um, it, it's spreading, and I look at in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Why would you want to go to the desert? You know, that's the D word. And so he arose and he went. I want you to, let's, let's pay really close attention here. An angel Lord spoke to Philip, arise and go to the desert, and he was faithful. Guys, God is speaking to some of you to do something. You're questioning it, you're hesitating. If God is in it, be faithful. 
even if it's go to the desert. Who wants to go to the desert? Huh. Linda, I saw a picture Linda took when, in Redlands, and it was 117 degrees on her little thermometer thing. Who wants to go to the desert? If God tells you to go to the desert, go. Why? Look at what happens. Something, something so in- insignificant. Hey, I want you to go down and hang out at, 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 in Lucerne Valley for a little while. Can anything good come from Lucerne Valley? <laughs> So he goes, and behold, I love that. So he goes, and it's like, oh, behold. It's a fun word. A man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. So this is Ethiopia, Africa, on the map. It's like, it's like Jerusalem's up here, and Ethiopia's way down here. It's a couple of countries down below Egypt. It's really far. So he had traveled all the way to Jerusalem. So he is um, a God-fearing person. He came to Jerusalem to worship. And he's sitting in his chariot. Um, It says, returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. He wasn't on Facebook. He wasn't reading any, you know, car magazines. He... (laughs) There was probably other things he could do, but he was actually reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Philip runs to him and hears him reading the prophet. And he simply says this, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with me. What a great question. Someone sneezes. Someone else says, God bless you. Do you understand what you're saying? Could you do that? Could you actually be so bold as to say that to somebody in a store or an airport? Hey, do you understand what you're saying when you say God bless you to that person? And would you be able to tell them what they're saying? God help me. Hey, do you understand what you're saying when you, when you say that statement? See, we hear the name of God all the time in life, said by people who aren't Christians, who really have no understanding of God. Philip hears him reading the Bible, the, the Isaiah the prophet, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And Philip was ready to explain it to him. See, Church, we have to be ready to be able to explain the gospel to people who need to know the truth. We need to be willing to be used by God to go to the desert, to go wherever it might be, to just be in the right place at the right time. That's what most of life is. It's just about being at the right place at the right time. You know, we call them coincidences often. They're not coincidences. You know, the, in the church we use this wonderful phrase, divine appointment. Isn't that so spiritual? But it is. It's a divine appointment that God will orchestrate if you'll be willing to be used by God. And, and simply, so here he is, he's trucking through the desert. He's like, God, this is really silly. I'm out here. Oh, look, there's a chariot. Go up to the chariot and overtake it. I'm on foot. I don't know if he's on foot. So he goes up. And he starts eavesdropping. Have you ever done that? 
I, I, I like to eavesdrop on people's conversations and jump in. We, I found a, I found a, a woman in, in a Starbucks a few years back, and I was with Pastor Eric, and we were having a little meeting in there, and I was teaching the finer parts of life, like, you know, Java chip frappuccinos. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, behind me, I heard someone speaking, and just a little bit, and I, and I didn't, and, and I turned around, and I saw a Joyce Meyer magazine, and I can't remember what else I saw, and so Eric got a phone call, so I leaned over, and I took this wild chance, and I said, Dobre dien, which is Russian for good day, and her eyes just, so big, and, oh, you speak Russian? I suppose, no, I just know how to say good day, and I'm hungry, and I'm tired, but... (laughs) I've learned that whenever you travel overseas, you, I need to be able to say I'm hungry because I get hungry a lot. But, and, so, and so her eyes, and we started talking, and she was a Christian. She was from Ukraine, and I had been on a missions trip in Ukraine. And, and so we just started talking. She ended up coming because she was kind of lonely that she came and joined our church. And it was just such a, a, a neat divine appointment that I had to kind of eavesdrop into her life in order to take the step of faith to to just break up a conversation and, you know and and she they were so she was so encouraged by that and she was an encouragement to to our church and uh, and it, we used to go to she got a job at Rite Aid the local Rite Aid and, and so we'd go in there and Lana would give us extra big scoops of ice cream so it worked all around <laughs> Will you be in your life ready and willing to, to, you know, take those extra opportunities? Not just take them, make them. Make those opportunities. Be open to God when he's telling you to go do something and, and look for those opportunities to, to talk about God. Hey, do you know what you're, what you're saying when you say God bless you? Because, see, God really does want to bless you. In fact, he did bless you already. You just might not know it. He blessed you because a long time ago, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. Because I know you as, as much as me. We're both sinners. And, and those sins need a way of being forgiven. And God sent his biggest blessing to us in the form of Jesus Christ. And if you just receive him to be your savior of your sins, you can go to heaven. Can you do that? All of you can. All of you can. You just got to work up the boldness. And if you can't, but you've been a Christian for a long time, you need to pray, God, help me to be able to share the gospel message in a really simple way. And then give me the boldness to go ahead and do it. Because, you know, this is where we come on Sunday mornings to get taught, to get encouraged. This is not where Christianity happens. This is just, this is kind of where we get to, you know, it's like at, at night, you plug in your cell phone to get it recharged. This is where you come to get recharged. So you can go and be used all week long, not to further your own kingdom, not just to make friends, but to actually expand the kingdom. Can we learn to occupy? Occupy until he comes. He is coming soon. The next story in Luke chapter 19, I'm pretty sure, is the ten virgins. The ten virgins who half of them don't have oil and aren't ready when Jesus returns. Let's not be like those not ready when Jesus returns. Let's be ready at all times, ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, ready to share the gospel, to bring hope and joy 
eagerly awaiting his return. He is coming back. I don't know when. I wish I, I, wish I had the date. But we don't. I remember singing this song when I first became a Christian. Some of you might remember it. Surely soon. Ah, yes, surely soon. Jesus is coming. Surely soon. Maybe at midnight. Maybe at noon. Do you know what I remember that one? Jesus is coming. Surely soon. Well, I'm 45 years old. I learned that when I was eight, so I've already been singing it for 37 years. It hasn't happened yet. But it's surely soon. It is going to happen. Do your neighbors know? Your sister? Your boss? The person at the bus stop? God's not going to use me to reach him. God's going to use you. God's going to use me to reach some of my neighbors. God's using me, I hope, to teach and encourage you guys. He's not going to use me to reach your neighbor. He's going to use you to reach your neighbor. Maybe you have to go to Samaria or the D word or Cerritos or wherever else. He wants to to expand his kingdom. And the enemy is doing everything he can to get us off track. Are you ready to commit to that this morning? God, I want to be ready. I want to be ready with the gospel. Ephesians says that your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You ready to make that commitment to him? You you don't have to raise your hand and say, I'm ready to go to to Africa today. Though, though, in, in case you missed it, the Ethiopian eunuch gets saved and he's going back to Ethiopia. Philip, because of his obedience, preaches the gospel in Ethiopia because this man gets saved. The gospel just broke out beyond anything imaginable at the time. Halfway down Africa, and this Ethiopian eunuch will begin to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to another place. God could use you to do that. When we lived in in Guatemala, last little story, then we're going to pray. There's a woman who came, and now we can't take a lot of of credit for her because she was already a Christian, but she came and she sat in the ministry for a couple months while she learned Spanish. She was from United Arab Emirates. We also met people from Russia and from Taiwan and China and all over, all over the world. We had these quick opportunities. Imagine meeting somebody from another country sharing the gospel and they go back as a missionary to their country into a place that I'm not going to go because I don't have the gift of martyrdom. I don't want to go to the Middle East. I'll go if God calls me, but I don't want to go. I don't have to. God can bring people across my path and your path to preach the good news of Jesus. You have to be ready. You have to be willing. Let's stand. I'm not going to just say, those who are willing, stand. I thought about it. But that way, too, if you're sleeping, you can wake up. If, you're, if you are willing and ready to commit, then, then pray, pray something like this. God, we're here this morning, and we are ready to commit to you to be ready. God, we want to 
be occupied. We want to get busy expanding the kingdom of God. Father, we need help. We need you to help us take our eyes off of ourselves. God, we need your help to take our eyes off of our circumstances, off of the news, and onto the kingdom of God. Father, onto our neighbors and onto the people we come in contact with. God, we also need supernatural boldness because telling a stranger, hey, do you know why you just said God bless you? That's a little freaky. So God, we need your Holy Spirit inside of us to give us power. Philip had it. Stephen had it. You promised it to us too. This morning, we commit to you, but we also say, God, fill us with your Holy Spirit in boldness and in power that we might be busy about the kingdom of God. Father, we want to see, not, we don't want to just see the seats filled up, but we want to see these seats filled up because people are getting saved. We want to be like the eunuch who, who, uh, who gets baptized. We want to preach the gospel where people's lives are changed so much that they say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Father, we need your help, so we commit to you. We'll follow you. We want to hear your voice. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Speak to us, lead us, and guide us and that we might be part of the great commission, the great commandment, God, going out to all the world, going out to all of our neighborhoods, going out to Vaughn's and Stater Brothers and Teddy Bear and everywhere else, and being a witness for you of what you've done in our lives, giving us hope. We thank you for your hope. We thank you for your filling us with power and boldness and that you'll send us out now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.